definitely want to spend a moment with the Lord and give up a lifetime. I think that's a glorious thing. Please join me in prayer before I uh, preach my sermon this morning. Heavenly Father, please be with me as I stand in your pulpit, Lord, and give your words to this congregation, Lord. I pray that it is not just in word, Lord, but it is in your power that the proclamation of the gospel continually goes forth from the pulpit, Lord. I pray that my words are your words this morning, Lord. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, well, uh, first thing I want to say this morning is in the bulletin, I noticed that uh, it says from chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 15 to chapter 2, verse 20, that's not correct. That would actually take a lot longer than the time we have this morning. So what really we're going to be going through is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to chapter 2, verse 7. So just wanted to note that. And I also wanted to say that uh, this morning I, I welcomed my sister, but I also forgot to mention Mike back there. So uh, uh, Mike and my sister this morning will uh, receive our beautiful magnets at the end of our service this morning. Thank you for being here. So the topic today we're going to be talking about is revelation, wisdom, and the riches in Christ. Because last week we started going through the book of Ephesians. And this letter, which Paul wrote primarily to the church in Ephesus... It's also noted that this was a circulating letter that would have went to other churches and would have um, been a message of the blessings that they had in Christ and how they were to walk, which we will see as we go through the book of Ephesians. But the Apostle Paul writes this letter as he's in prison in Rome, and he's writing to these churches. And the letter of Ephesians is different, as we said last week, as I noted. It's different than most other of Paul's writings because he's not dealing with a heresy or the problems in the church. And last week I reminded you of uh, Corinthians, for example. You know, they're dealing with a host of issues. That's why the letter is pretty thick. So in this book, this letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul's telling of the blessings of being in Christ and how the Christians are, are, ought to walk in light of the blessings. And that's pretty much what we can apply today when we read this text. They would say that the two doctrinal stances that are in Ephesians would be the beginning is dealing with the doctrines, the blessings, and then the last couple chapters are dealing with the application of those blessings. Because it's important to know what we're walking in primarily and then to actually walk in it. So that's what we're seeing in the book of Ephesians. And it's been said that Paul's great concern here was to give the Ephesians a panoramic view of the wondrous and glorious works of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what others have said about the book of Ephesians. Ephesians sets forth what no other book of the New Testament describes so completely. The nature of the body of Christ, which is the true church. This letter, in many ways, is the crowning glory of the New Testament. Another writer noted, It is very difficult to speak of Ephesians in a controlled manner because of its greatness and because of its sublimity. Many have tried to describe it. One writer has described it as the crown and climax of Pauline theology. Another has said that it is the distilled essence of the Christian religion and most authoritative and most consummate compedium of our holy Christian faith. What language? And it is by no means exaggerated. So yes, this book and this series are truly a blessed one. We get to learn about the blessings in Christ. I hope that as I go through this sermon series of Ephesians, you will take the opportunity to read the letter on your own time. Note what is really being presented in this book. And if any of you here, obviously the visitors were not here last week, I would urge you to go to our podcast, listen to last week's message where we noted the blessings. And I believe that... A, a large majority of the Christian world is not walking in true Christianity, in biblical Christianity, because they fail to understand the blessings that we have in Christ. As last week's message was in him. 
If we, if we understand what we have in him, we can better walk in him. And I think that's, that's very important for us to do. And that's what we're seeking to do as we go through the book of Ephesians is to understand what we have in Christ, who we are as the body of Christ, and how to walk more uh, authentically and biblically you know, as the body of Christ. So, please, if you, have, if you weren't here last week when we did talk about those blessings, go to the podcast. You can www.bluepointbiblechurch.org. Click on Recent Sermons, and you can visit all the podcasts. So, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2-3, through 3, we read this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus, seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness. But catch this. Through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his glory, glory and excellence. So you have the power through the knowledge of him. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're even gathered here this morning, is to learn about the knowledge of him. That way we can access the power of being in him, better walk in him, more authoritatively walk in him. So in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is detailing these blessings. And this is what we talked about last week. So my goal this morning is for you to hold on to that. The knowledge of him. That's, that's what we want to talk about. The revelation, the wisdom, the riches of being in Christ. Now, when we do that, when we understand the blessings, which, real quickly, I'm just going to ask us if we can uh, start at verse 1 here in Ephesians. We're going to go through these blessings. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless in him. There's your blessing one. He chose us. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Two, predestined us according to the kind intention of his will. To the praise and glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. There's your third one. In him, forgiveness of sins, redemption, and the riches, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he proposed in him. There is number four. With a view of an administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ and all things in heaven and all things on earth. In him we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view of the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Those are the six blessings I noted last week. If you read through those, and I would urge you to listen to the podcast again, if you didn't remember the six blessings that are noted throughout that text. So now when we understand these blessings, we can better understand the next couple verses where Paul says, and we're going to start in verse 15, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you, and your love for the saints. Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believes? These, those of us who believe, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in his mercy, because of his great love which, which he, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So here, we start out, Paul's praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You know, now that you know these blessings, I am praying that a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him will come to you. A spirit of wisdom is the application of the knowledge that you have. Now you know the blessings, now I'm praying for a wisdom that you will know how to walk in this. You know what this looked like in your life. We know that the Spirit of God is what reveals truth to men. We read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So Paul is saying to those in Ephesus that he's praying that they will continually seek the knowledge and will continually seek ways to apply it in their lives. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, we read, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and who gains understanding, for her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are those who hold her fast. So Paul's praying that these people will receive, these people in Ephesus will receive wisdom. They will receive this thing, will give them long life, peace, blessing, a tree of life, which we would know you know, spiritually is the new covenant when we walk into the gates of the kingdom of God and we're able to obtain life from the tree of life. We read about that in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. So Paul's praying that these people will be understand the riches of Christ, the blessings of being in Christ, which he just laid out so eloquently in the first 15 verses of Ephesians. I must say this is quite the request, an amazing opening for Paul's prayer. He's, you know, he's not praying very lightly. He's not praying as many people casually pray for people today. He's praying as, you know, Meredith asked us this morning to pray for a friend that there will be knowledge. There will be knowledge and wisdom. And these things, will, it, will, it will be revealed to these people. That's so important that we will grab on to that knowledge. That we will walk in it because we know when we know it, we have the opportunity to walk in it. That's the blessing of knowing these riches in Christ. So... I believe that if we can begin to firmly pray like that, I, you know, pray for people that they will receive the revelation. I think that's what we're called to walk in. We're called to move forward in that. So Paul goes on to pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The Greek term cardia is where we get cardiac, cardiovascular. The important note is that unlike our culture where the heart serves as the seat of emotion, in the Hebraic and Grecian thought, the heart was closer to the understanding of the mind. It wasn't the emotions. It was the mind. 
In Matthew chapter 5, we read, The pure in heart shall see God. Surely this isn't speaking about the organ that pumps blood through our bodies. Instead, it's detailing the pure in thought, those whose minds are focused on the things of God. Elsewhere, we read that out of the heart, the mouth speaks, again noting our mind, not the organ that pumps blood. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so, there's the key term right there, so that you will know. So that I pray that your eyes will be opened so that you will know. There's that knowledge thing again. It's of the mind. We must know the blessings, the power, the glory before we can walk in them. The Apostle Paul then illustrates the things which he prays those in Ephesus will come to know as the eyes of their hearts are being enlightened, which is done by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is giving them these blessings. They're in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved. And then he tells them the things that are going to, that he's praying for them about. And these are the things he talks about. If you notice, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. There's your first one. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? So these are three things we have to talk about today. What is the hope of His calling? God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We read that at the beginning of this chapter, right? Okay. We noted the six blessings that are here in this chapter. These blessings come to us as we come into Christ, into the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 explains that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's why we were created. That's our calling, to do good works. That this gospel should be building us up, blessing us, helping us have the knowledge of him That way we will go out and do our calling to do good works, to heal the nations. Jesus said to his disciples that they did not choose him, but he chose them. And he appointed them that they would bear fruit. When we are walking in him, we will naturally bear fruit. And we know that a tree is judged by the fruit it bears. So that's us. We have the knowledge of him, this natural thing that comes by the Spirit of God. The knowledge of him comes by the Spirit of God, and so does the fruit. So when we understand what it means to be in him, we can begin to bear fruit naturally. And Paul's praying for that. He's praying that through the knowledge, they will begin to bear fruit naturally. So in a sense, we are called to walk as trees bearing fruit that expresses who or what we are. We are called to live lives as citizens of heaven. We read that in scripture. Not some ethereal other world place that we're going to go in the near future. No, but a kingdom of love, peace, righteousness, and joy right here now. That's our calling. That is the hope of having. When we understand the blessings, we understand the riches of being in Christ, we can naturally begin to be a kingdom of love, peace, joy, and righteousness. That's what Paul's praying for these people about. Sadly, as I said at the beginning, many so-called Christians, included as well as the rest of the world, are failing to comprehend the blessings of Christ, the blessings of being in Christ, and therefore they're not going to know the hope of their calling what we are called to do. Everybody wants life. I don't care what side of the fence you're on, whether you're a Christian, you're not a Christian. You want life, and you want life to the full. Jesus said, I come to bring life to the full. But everybody's following that thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The blessings of being in Christ, in contrast to the world, is that we know life is found in him. Obviously, our church cards tell you that. Get a life. Visit Blue Point Bible Church. So we continue to pray with Paul that people's hearts will be enlightened. The next thing he says is the riches of the glory of his inheritance. 
We read in verse 14 of the Holy Spirit as a sort of down payment for further revelation and blessing. If you read, it says, Who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is, the, is and was the comforter. He leads all men in truth regarding their inheritance in Christ. The redemption of God's possession, which in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, refers to covenant-keeping Israel as his possession. And what we learn through the New Testament, the truth that the Spirit was making known that his possession was those through Abraham, the faith of Abraham. That we who have faith are that possession. That it wasn't a physical lineage of people. That ultimately, even from the beginning, it was about those who were covenant people, had faith in God's work. By faith, the Gentiles had a predestined place in this, which we will come to learn in further chapters. But yes, salvation is of the Jews. But this would lead to the salvation of the Gentiles. The fulfillment of the hope of Israel was making many rich. And you'll, you read about this in 2 Corinthians. Paul says that, you know, we being poor, he, he's speaking about the, the Jews who are coming under persecution, who are coming, they're giving up everything they love, are making many rich. It is by the grace of God alone and his sovereignty that we have the opportunity to have anything to do with this. That's what I believe. is being, Paul's making that very known here. Obviously, he, he says it very uh, clearly. By grace, you have been saved in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. By grace, nothing in and of yourselves. The surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. In verses 19 through 21, we read of the third thing Paul is praying for the Ephesians to know. And that is what the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Well, that's some mighty power. The power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that he has given to the body of Christ, who's, him, who's the fullness of him. The power that God has given us is that power. We have the power that rose Christ from the dead. I know that's like a, it's kind of hard to understand. It's just like, wow, I don't even know how to explain that to you this morning. But that's what produces water-walking faith. When Simon Peter got out of the boat, you know what it was? He knew who Christ was. So do we know what we believe? Isn't that what Paul's praying here? That we will know what we believe. We will know why we are rich, why we are blessed. And when we know it, we will then know how to work with that power, right? We will say, you know, if you're the Christ, tell me to get out of the boat because I believe that you have the power to make me walk on water. You'll give that, that water-walking faith comes by the knowledge of him. So that's why Paul's praying these things. That's why he's illustrating the blessings of being in him. I call this a zeal empowered by knowledge. My energy, my, everything about the way I am, the, the, the conviction I have of being in Christ is by the knowledge of him. It comes by what I know. So I, I do believe people prayed this for me. And that's why I stand here telling you about the knowledge of God because I, I have that energy, that zeal that comes by knowing. I mean, we should really be praying that people know. If we know we have this power, we should be able to walk in it. The question is, do we know that we have this power? This was in accordance with the working of his strength, of his might. Not only did God, the Father, raise Jesus Christ from the dead, and he also sat him at the right hand, which is not a location, 
but it's a designation of power and authority. Power over everything in this age, which at that time was the present evil age that they were living in, and in the age to come. More on that next week, the age to come. But Christ was above everything in that age and would be above all things in the age to come as well. He has put all things under his feet, and Christ being above everything is the head of the church, the church being the body, which is the fullness of him who fills all in all. Well, that's quite the responsibility. We are the fullness of him, of Christ. We, the body of Christ, are the fullness. We are the representation, the fullness of him. You catch that? We represent him. If we, don't, if we don't have his power, if we're not expressing his power, who is? Nobody. Nobody. Okay. Well, it's quite the responsibility to represent the fullness of Christ, right? I thought about this today. Yeah, okay. We got the power. So, now i got to wait for it to stop. I'm not going to lie. When I was reading this yesterday, that's what came to my mind. I said, I got the power. I have the power, but am I going to move in it? And the way we're going to move in it is exactly what Paul's saying here. No, you must know that you have the power. You must know what these three things are that we're talking about today. You must know what is the hope of his calling. You must know what are the riches of the glory of his, in, of his inheritance in the saints. And you must know what the surpassing greatness of his power is. So as we enter into chapter 2, there's an important part to notice here. This is a letter. These subdivisions and chapters and verses were not here when this was written. So Paul's not starting a new chapter. He's actually continuing a thought. So he, he just gets done telling them how rich they are, how blessed they are, the power that they have. And then he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, reminding you where you came from. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Outside of Christ, we're all dead. That's something we should all know. Outside of Christ, you are dead. He is the life. So yes, the Jews, following after the religion and the rules that put them outside of their covenant relationship with God because they didn't follow God no more. They weren't keeping a covenant. They were keeping a bunch of rules and actually adding a bunch of their own and making this about them, not about God. Not about being saved by grace, by faith, but about me, my righteousness. So... They put themselves outside of covenant. They become the sons of disobedience because they start to walk away the course of the world. What's the course of the world? We don't have a hard time with that today. Me. It's about me. That's the course of the world. It's been the course of the world since the beginning of time. You know, oh, that tree looks nice. Well, I'm going to eat it because I want to. It's about me. So these sons of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air... You know, if we were to do an in-depth study, you would learn actually it has a lot more to do with you than you think. It has a lot more to do with your carnal mind. Your carnal mind is at war with God. So yes, that which is working in these sons of disobedience is themselves. It's all about me. My righteousness, my way, I want to do it my way. And that's exactly what the Jews did. And, it's, and I'm imagining we all have too. And Paul makes that very clear. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh indulging in the desires of the flesh and in the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. He's not leaving any room for you to say, oh, not me, I'm not one of those. No, you, you are one of those. Well, you know, Ephesians are one of those, but 
I think we all could very well say that we are too, right? Okay. I hope so. I mean, I hope I'm not the only person that could say that. So they're coming under judgment. These people are coming under judgment in the New Testament. That's what you're reading about. You know, there's people that have stretched that a little bit. But what's happening here is these Jews, these sons of disobedience, are coming under judgment for the fact that they've placed themselves outside of covenant with God. But the Gentiles, who were foreigners to the covenants, without God, without hope, which we will read later in chapter 2, they're living in the course of the world too. The futility of their mind, this is what Paul says in chapter 4. He says, in the futility of their mind, you know, just kind of living in your own mind about your own ways, your own things, being darkened in their understanding, I'd be imagining we could all say we were there at one point, excluded from the life of God, there it is, life's found in God, in Christ, because of the ignorance that is in them. Again, I'm pretty sure we could all say we stood there at one point. Because of the hardness of their heart, thinking we could all agree that we were there too. And they have become callous. No, not caring. Just, you know, I'm going to stay, I'm going to remain ignorant. Paul clearly notes, among them too, we all formerly lived. Something to remember. The next part, the, the apostle makes a, something clear. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, not but you decided to walk and live a good life. No. But God being rich in his mercy because of his great love. It's about him, not you. Notice this has nothing to do with anything we have done. Even when we were dead in sin, even when you were living in the futility of your mind, completely ignorant, completely shut off to a life of God, God in his love made us, yes, even us, we were predestined to this, us alive with Christ, raised us up with him, seated us in heavenly places. And if you remember at the beginning of chapter 1, that's where the blessings are, in heavenly places. See? Verse 3, blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay. So those people that say, I don't really feel that the world is that great or that there's any blessings. Well, then you've got to ask them, are you sitting in heavenly places? Are you seated there? Because that's where you're supposed to be. Well, so I end today's sermon with this, and this is an admonishment to us all. Why did God do this amazing work? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, we find that answer. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He did all of this so that he can show his glory, his kindness, his love. It's about him yet again. Next week, we will discuss the ages and what God is doing in the age we are currently in. Throughout this week, we, I ask you all to truly meditate on the blessings you have in Christ. Read through the scriptures. Read through the whole book of Ephesians. You see, I didn't read through the whole book today. I didn't want to do that again. I felt like that would take another 20 minutes like last time. But really take time to read through the book, even if you just get through chapters 1 and 2. Learn about the blessings you have and read through that prayer that Paul is praying. See, can, do you understand it? And if you don't, call me. I'm, I'm here. I did 363-6111. Call me. I'll tell you all about it. Um, take time to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. We're admonished to do that throughout all the scriptures. Study to show yourself approved. Because when you do so, you will really have that zeal empowered by knowledge. You will, you will know what it means to walk with God. Because I want to see more Christians walk on water. I'm not, I, honestly, I don't care if you float on water. What I really want to see is you have that faith 
to do things that are unexpected. You know, Jesus said, we can do greater things. Well, then I'm looking for them. I'm waiting for more Christians to stand up and walk in our calling. We have the fullness of him. I got the power, right? Okay. I'm imagining many of you will probably be playing that song throughout the week. Okay. So next Sunday is National Back to Church Sunday. So this week, as you meditate on these things, as you think about these things, take some time to tell other people about them. That's a good way to know if you know the knowledge of him, right? Do you know what the hope of his calling is? What are the riches of being in him and what his power is? Take some time to tell other people, and that's a good way to test whether you know or not. Express the love of God toward other people. Be in the fullness of him. If you read about Jesus in the Gospels, I mean, that's what he is. He's demonstrating love. Be that. Be that love. Move in the power. Move in your calling. Live as Christians. That's right. Live as Christians. Live as the body of Christ. The surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ. That's why he did this great work. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let us truly understand what the blessings you are revealing to us through the book of Ephesians, Lord. And let us truly begin to walk in that power, Lord. Let us be the fullness of you. I pray that each and every person here today, Lord, will take that calling and move forward, Lord, that we will be able to express your kindness, your love to a world that so desperately needs it, Lord. I pray that you give us the insight and the spirit to do so, Lord. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
channel.